Good morning, Hillside. Hey, it is good to be in the house of God this morning with you. I know we're not together in the same room, but we are in the presence of our living God, and he is a good God. Thanks be to God, our Father, his Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is a day where we celebrate what occurred some 40 days later after the ascension of Jesus when the Holy Spirit came and baptized those first century believers and endued them with power. Jesus referred to it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. And they were endued with power from on high. Now, they had already received the Holy Spirit for the Spirit was initially with them Then Jesus breathed on them and they received the Spirit and the Spirit was in them. And now on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had come upon them. You and I, we also have those same three relationships with the Holy Spirit. And that enduing of power, recognizing that in the Old Testament, oftentimes prophets could be anointed with the Holy Spirit, but not necessarily endued with power for miraculous signs. You could look at the prophet Jeremiah, who was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke prophetically and gave prophetic words, but we don't see in his life those miraculous powers, so to speak. There's others as well. We won't take time this morning to go into those details. But for you and I, this radical understanding that God the Spirit could dwell within the believer and then come upon the believer for a perpetual, persistent enduing of power that will be continuous through their life. We're going to look a little, little bit further into that this morning and how that works. And so on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to, as we continue in our study of the book of Acts, we're going to be looking further in the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. We've had four great messages in this five-part series. It initially was a four-part series, and it's graduated into a five-part series. And so we've had four great messages. We have been looking at the promises, these God-sized promises. The first was the promise of the parakletos, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us about that, and he reminded them of the promise of the comforter to come. Then we looked at the promise of power, and so we looked at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that they would receive power after that the Holy Spirit had come upon them, so to tarry in Jerusalem, and they would be witnesses unto Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth, and thanks be to God for that enduing power. Then we looked at the promise on Pentecost, so the actual day of Pentecost. Pastor Matthew had a marvelous message on that event and on that day, and really, then Pastor Tim talked about the promise in perpetuity in terms of the church and its multiplication and all of the things and how the Spirit of God working in the church all the way up until today. Well, this fifth message, today's message, is the promise by or through persistence, a persistence. And I'm gonna, I wanna define the word persistence first because it really is this quality or act of being persistent. And I'm not 
I'm not talking about you or me and our act of persistence, but the acts of the Holy Spirit and his persistence in our lives. And so we're going to be looking at a couple of scriptures in just a few moments, but let me, let me give you the definition. This is on dictionary.com, and I love this, the, to, to be persistent or the, uh, persistent. It's persisting, especially in spite of opposition, obstacles, discouragement, uh, and preserving. Lasting or enduring tenaciously, constantly repeated to continue. And so the promise by persistence, the promise of the Holy Spirit in persistence, in constantly engaging in our lives as followers of Jesus. And today I want to talk about a handful of ways how the Spirit works in and through us. We've looked at a number of these. I'm going to refresh a couple, but I'm going to come from a different perspective because Jesus said some fabulous things about the Spirit of God. And so before we do that, again, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and his work amidst the church in the first century and certainly all the way up to today, his work in us individually as well as collaboratively in a local fellowship just like Hillside Christian Fellowship. Now, I want to say this because if we try and understand the Holy Spirit away from studying the Scripture, I believe that we have the potential to be led astray for the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit that is out there. The scripture encourages us and reminds us, brethren, believe not every spirit. So we want to be very, very careful to learn and understand how the Spirit of God works in the life of a believer, how the Holy Spirit works in the midst of a local fellowship and the word in the church in a collective way. The Spirit of God is specific. So it we're also warned, watch out for doctrines of demons. It's very easy if we are not aligning with God's word in our understanding to be led astray, and we could end up being tricked. Um, we could end up be engaging in things and identifying things as the spirit that may not, in fact, be the spirit. Now, I'm not. We're not going to go on a witch hunt, and I'm not going to talk about, and we're not going to say this is, this isn't, and that kind of thing. That's not where I'm going today. What I want to encourage you to do in your walk with the Lord, in your personal walk with Jesus to identify the Spirit of God and to pray for those operations, to pray for those workings, to pray for those ways that the Spirit of God works in the life of a believer in your own life and look for examples in the Word of God and the types in the Word of God and look for those in your own life and in the life of your church, in our church. So... Uh, the Holy Spirit, in order for us to understand the Holy Spirit, uh, I want you to understand this. Number one, the Spirit of God, he, his presence is not confusing. It's not confusing. And if you see something or you're like, huh, 
or you wonder about it, you might immediately have question marks. That's when you say, okay, let's go see if I can find that in the Word of God, right? So, never confusing. And secondly, I want you to know the Spirit of God is never disturbing. He's not disturbing. The Spirit of God is gentle. He's a comforter. He's a helper. He's always kind. He always speaks what he has heard, right? And so it's going to align itself with the Word of God. He is going to align himself with the Word of God. He's always going to exalt Christ. He will always point us to Jesus. So those are just a couple of precursors. Uh, If we're going to learn about the Spirit of God, we must study the Word of God. Can I get an amen? We need to be students of the Word of God. So I'd like to start us today just jumping into the book of Acts, and uh, we, we've been in Acts chapters 1 and 2. We're going to kind of remain there. I just want to reread Acts chapter 2 and that first portion when the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on those who were in the upper room. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There, a, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking, or, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And this sound occurred, the multi- or when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them, the 120 in the upper room, speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look. Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So a fascinating thing had occurred. These believers had tarried as Jesus had said, and the Spirit of God has come upon them in power, and they begin to testify of the marvelous works of God in the languages of the entire known world. And there's a listing of all of these nationalities, and they're hearing of the marvelous works of God. This is an undeniable, miraculous, empowering of the children of God for the purpose of witnessing and for the resulting of salvation. And many are going to be added to the church on this particular day. And so we go on down to verse 12. So they they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? What could this mean? Others mocked and said, they're full of new wine. And you can go back and you can listen to Pastor Matthew's message a couple of weeks ago on the promise on Pentecost to hear some just marvelous things that the Spirit did in, those, in the midst. 
What I want to actually turn our attention to are some words of Jesus prior to his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension that he referred to that would happen in the life of a believer. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 7. We just finished the Gospel of John not too long ago, and so we were in chapter 7 probably many months ago. But here's a portion of Scripture beginning in verse 37 that Jesus gives some revelation knowledge And we want to look at this because I believe in here is a clue or some hints to perhaps some hidden things that the Spirit of God wants to reveal to us, the Word of God wants to reveal to us, and how the Spirit of God will work in your life and work in my life and work in the lives of believers. So this is what the Word of God says in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great Uh, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Now let me stop here for a moment. By way of reminder, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the last day. For seven days, they lived in these tents, these structures that they would build, and it was a reminder of the time that they had in the wilderness. And on a daily basis during the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple courts, they would take water and pour water out of jugs for seven days as a reminder of how God during the days of the wilderness provided for the children of Israel and how God caused water to come from the rock. I mean, just absolutely powerful. Now, think about that for a moment. Water from the rock. There's a picture and there's a type Who is the rock? Jesus is the rock. God is the rock. And water, living water, comes from God. And that's a powerful picture that Jesus is pointing out because this is the eighth day. And on the eighth day, they would symbolize pouring, but there was no water. And it was an inspiration for them to pray for the provision of God, that life giving flow. And I think it's an encouragement to you and I to pray for the life-giving flow of the Spirit of God in our lives. We need the empowerment and we need to be filled and refilled and filled and refilled more, more, more of the Spirit of God. And so he goes on to say, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Come on. Let him come to me and drink. Church, family, listen. We need to come to Jesus. We need to come to God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we need to drink from the living water. And he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, key phrase, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, not a river, rivers of living water. Come on. We go to the rock, get water, and out of our lives, as the scripture has said, what scriptures is Jesus referring to? He's referring to the Old Testament. Those rivers, uh, rivers of living water will flow. So what scripture was was he referring to? Well, I'm fairly convinced that he is picking up on a picture. 
Now remember the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Rome, he said these words. He says in, in chapter 15 and verse 4, he says, those things that happened aforetime, King James Version, aforetime, before, were written for our learning we can learn from those things that had occurred and written. In fact, when he wrote similar words to the church in Corinth, he said it this way. Those things happened and were in samples. Again, in samples is a great word. It's a King James Version. It's probably not currently being used in the English language, but in sampling. And the Greek word there is tupos. Tupos, it's where we get the word type or symbol. And it says, these things happened and were in samples to us for our admonition. We can grow and understand from the things that happened. So when Jesus refers to rivers of living waters, as the scriptures have said, he's referring to a ensampling from the scriptures, from the Old Testament. So where in the Old Testament does it refer to? Well, I think there's two places, and I think they connect, and I think there's some powerful pictures. Again, certainly the rock during that wilderness time in the book of Exodus, unequivocally God's provision, God's life-giving flow, it's going to flow from the Spirit of God. But I believe there's more. I believe there's more. The book of Isaiah, in fact, will you just turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. Here is a, here is a scripture that has a powerful picture. It's talking about a fast that God accepts, and it's talking about how people are turning and repenting in their life. Listen, as followers of Christ, if we will turn and repent in our lives, these same promises will hold true for you and I. And we look at verse 11. Verse 11 says this. The Lord will guide you continually. What is one of the things the Holy Spirit does? He leads us. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, right? So he will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in the time of drought. Listen, our refreshing comes from the Spirit of God. No matter what is happening all around us, there can be a spring welling up. Remember, we used to sing that song, uh, I got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me, spring up a well, splish, splash, within my soul, spring up a well and make me whole, spring up a well and bring to me that life abundantly. Come on. And that's how it works. He says in the time of drought, he will spring up a well. That's key. That's key. Now listen, it goes on. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. A watered garden. So if we're like a watered garden and rivers of living water are flowing out of us, where is a picture in Scripture where there was a garden where rivers flowed out of it? Yes, Genesis, the Garden of Eden. Turn with me in your Bibles. This is powerful. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2. It's at the very beginning. It's after the book of preface. Genesis 2. Now listen to this. 
It says, verse 8, Then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, now a river went out from Eden. Notice it's singular, a river went out from Eden. But watch, remember we have rivers of living water. We're like a well-watered garden. It says, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. Now, we know for every occurrence, probably every occurrence in the New Testament, there is a picture of that occurrence or an unfolding of that occurrence. Now keep this in mind. The Bible tells us, Proverbs 25.2, it is to the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is to the glory of kings to search it out. God, in his infinite wisdom, has hidden things within the word of God and it's expedient for you and I to search those matters out, to search the scriptures diligently, to identify and to seek to have those things working in our lives. And I believe there is an unfolding here. Jesus's words, he spoke of rivers of living water. And if we would continue reading in that portion of John, I just want to come back to John chapter 7. Listen to what he says. He says, but, verse 39, this he spoke concerning the Spirit. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Hey, that happened when he breathed on them, and then when the Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost. They were anointed and empowered. Anointed and empowered. And that brothers and sisters, is something that you and I want to see happening. Rivers. Now, this typology, if these rivers, these four river heads, we're, we're going to hear about what their names are. And if there is something behind that, I believe that the type may actually be a reality for you and I, and we can identify how the Spirit of God can be working in your life and in my life. So let's read a little further in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 10 again, it becomes the four river heads. Verse 11, the name of the first is Pishon, in which, excuse me, uh, Pishon, it is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah. Uh, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Uh, Bedillium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Uh, the name of the third river is Hidekel. Hidekel. Or I think it's Hiddekel. It's also the Tigris. It's the Tigris, depending on what version you have. Hiddekel, and I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but the Tigris. Okay. And then it goes on to say, uh, it is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the, the fourth river is Euphrates. Now, I want you to notice structurally, the name of the first 
Pishon, the name of the second, Gihon, the name of the third is Hiddekel or Tigris, and the fourth river is. Wasn't in the name. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about, and I'm going to refer to my notes for a moment. I want to talk about what the names mean in the first three, and then I want to talk about how it's structurally a little bit different on the fourth. But the first, Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, the first river, Pishon, or Pishon. Pishon literally means to increase, but it means to grow up and to grow fat. To grow up and to grow fat. And it is a picture of how the Spirit of God works in the life of the believer to edify him. To edify. The Spirit of God wants to edify your life and my life. Remember, out of John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, when we studied that, we saw seven ways that the Spirit of God speaks and works and edifies the believer. Listen, he'll teach you all things, edification. He'll remind you everything I told you. He will guide you into all truth. He will, number four, speak what he hears. Number five, he will tell you things to come. Number six, he will glorify Jesus through you. Through you and me, the Spirit of God will glorify Jesus. Come on, that's epic. And number seven, he'll take from what is Jesus and declare it to you and me. He'll declare it. So these these are ways that the Spirit of God edifies the believer. Now, I can tell you time and time and time again, there's not time today to give the stories of how the Spirit of God has edified me in my life. How God, the Spirit, has edified my wife in her life and the two of us in our life. How the Spirit of God has edified my son Matthew. How the Spirit of God has edified my son Jonathan. How the Spirit of God has edified my daughter Olivia. Then their spouses, how the Spirit of God has edified Mariah how the Spirit of God has edified my son-in-law, Wesley. It's so powerful. And us as a family, how he speaks through us collaboratively to edify us, to build us up in our most holy faith. And he's doing these seven things. He's teaching us all things, reminding us of everything that Jesus has told us. He is guiding us into truth. He's speaking what he has heard from the Father and from the Son. And he is telling us things to come. He is telling us future things. Come on, we need the revelation knowledge of God. And that brings me to the second river and the second or another way the Spirit of God works in our lives. Gihon. Gihon literally means to labor or to bring forth or bursting forth, to labor to bring forth. Now listen, It has to do with the revelation knowledge and the revealing that only God can do. Only God can do. Now, I'll give you an example for sure. And there's a profound reality with this. When Jesus said to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? And the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're the prophet. He says, that's all fine. Who do you say that I am? And you know Peter's response. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of God, Messiah. 
And Jesus responded in a profound way. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. I want you to capture this for a moment. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to him, but the Father revealed it to him. This is a revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge. And you and I, we need the revelation knowledge of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that's one thing the Spirit of God does. He labors to bring forth in us revealing things for us, to us, through us. Revelation knowledge, check this out. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, how you and I in our flesh and blood receive data and learn and grow, that's through our five senses. Taste, smell, hearing, sight, touch. Five senses. We cannot understand God. We cannot understand certain things unless it comes from with outside our physical bodies and our soul and body, so to speak. Our mind can't even comprehend those things. Paul in Ephesians, he, he gives us marvelous prayer. We should be praying this prayer that we would be able to comprehend these things. We need the comprehension. We need the revelation. And let me tell you, the Spirit of God is inspiring us and pushing us toward desiring more so that he can bring more revelation knowledge to us. And I believe that revelation knowledge can have a definitive impact on our life, but how we live can have a definitive impact on the revelation knowledge that we receive from the Lord. Walking in obedience. Abraham was revealed God revealed himself at several different points, but he had given instruction for Abraham, and until Abraham came to the place of obedience, the revelation knowledge was on hold. When he finally hit obedience, then God revealed himself in a magnificent way, and then more instruction. And until obedience, further revelation. Five different times God reveals himself to Abraham. He had to grow in that obedience. You and I, we need to grow in that obedience so we can have this revelation knowledge of God in our lives. And we need the revelation knowledge of God. So the application for you and I, what's the spirit of God speaking to you? What's the word of God saying to you right now in your personal life? Listen, he's endued you and anointed you. You've got the power of God. You've got the anointing of God. You can walk in obedience. I can walk in obedience and we can follow so that that revelation knowledge can be furthered and we get to know who God is. Oh, I pray today that our hunger and thirst would be to know God, to know God. Paul, after 30 years of walking with the Lord, he prayed, oh, that I would know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. Man, he wasn't asking for more. He wasn't asking for bigger. He wasn't asking for better. He says, I want to know you. And I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. That's maturity. Paul's grown up in the Lord. And he was suffering like his Savior suffered. That's 
Radical stuff. Revelation knowledge. And listen, there's distractions in your life and there's distractions in my life. There's things, we have a very real adversary who's trying these hidden things. He's wanting them, keep them hidden from us. Some of them he doesn't even understand, right? I mean, we know that and we don't have time to go into that today. But listen, we have to fight. We have to battle. And the battle is won on our knees. We have power in prayer, bringing down strongholds, bringing down vain imaginations and bringing them to the obedience of Christ. But we have to labor to bring it forth. And the Spirit of God wants to help us in that. Listen, sometimes we might just have to fight the busyness of life. How's your schedule these days? Well, it might be slowed down a little bit because of this uh, quarantine time. But you know it's busy. How's, How's your devotional life? Are you spending time daily in God's word? Are you spending time daily in concentrated prayer, going into your room, closing the door behind you and praying to your Father in the secret place? You have to fight because there's things that will come up. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. All this stuff is trying to take you away, take me away, so that we won't fight through to receive the revelation knowledge of God because the more revelation and knowledge of God, the more we realize it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about our lives. We're here and we're part of the kingdom and we're ambassadors for Christ. And the evil one wants to stop that movement and he creates distractions for you and I and we have to fight through those things to receive that revelation. So there you have, that's the river Gihon. The third, the name of the third is Hiddekel or Hedelic, I think is how it's actually pronounced, Hedelic, but the Tigris. Hidekel, Hedelic, Hedelic, it literally means vehement, rapid, the Tigris. The Tigris River was a river that was shallower than most rivers, and it was wide, and it was a tremendous amount of volume flowing. And so as it flowed, because of its shallowness, it was filled with rapids, and it was noisy, and it was powerful, and probably had a steeper downhill flow as well. And here's the, here's the deal. This vehement, this tigress, this uh, hedelic or hedekel, it is a picture of that enduing power, the power of God, the power to do something radical in our lives. God wants to do the miraculous in your life and in my life. We need that river flowing through us. Church, it it won't be for a show. It won't bring glory to the individual. It will bring glory to God. We need the miraculous power. I want to encourage you on this day of Pentecost to be praying for the working of miracles, to be praying for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, to pray for the gift of faith, to pray for those in doing powerful things that we see the church. Pray for prophecy to be working in your life. And I'm not saying speaking things out of your own heart over someone else. Attributing something to the Holy Spirit that may or may not be the Holy Spirit. We need definitive miracles of God because when there's a definitive miracle of God, people come to Jesus. The purpose of Pentecost salvation. 
The purpose of Pentecost is evangelistic. The purpose of Pentecost is to bring sinners to Jesus. Salvation. Not a show. It's not so people will esteem us. It's not confusing. We need the real, genuine power of God. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a couple things. Listen, it, when, when praying for someone, it doesn't mean someone pushes them over and they fall to the ground. That may or may not be the power of God. I mean, we have to look for that kind of stuff in scripture. Do we find that in scripture? And when someone did fall down in scripture, it was for a purpose. There was a purpose. We have to get away from charismatic tradition. I saw someone do this, so I do it also. Listen, no, 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 no. That to the world, some of that stuff is weird. Even the way we talk. Come on. It's not confusing. It will never be disturbing. It won't be weird. The power of God is genuine and it's real. We must not cheapen the power of God, the tigress, the hidekel, that work of God in us for the miraculous. Look, we're gonna, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be diving into Acts chapter three. Peter and John went to pray. They meet a lame man on the way. You know the song. He asked for alms, turned out his palms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand and he pulled him up. And the guy, he was miraculously healed and he went jumping and leaping and praising God. Salvation. The man put his heart right with God. Faith in Jesus. And so, that miraculous. Now look at the time. It's been 37 minutes. I'm going to give you the fourth. And the fourth is the river Euphrates. Now, this is where grammatically it's a little different. It doesn't say the name of the fourth is. So I believe that the identification may in fact not be in the name itself. I will tell you that kind of, I said four ways, there really is probably five, and Euphrates represents two. Because the name Euphrates means fruitfulness. And let me, let me say it this way, definitively, the Spirit of God wants to work in your life in the area of fruit. He wants fruitfulness in that you and I should be producing fruit. Somebody once asked, what's the, what's the fruit of an apple tree? Cleverly raise our hands, an apple! And the guy who asked the question said, no. It's another apple tree that produces apples, that produces more trees, more trees, more trees, that produce more apples, more apples, more apples. It has to do with the seed. In fact, Genesis talks about the seed that is in, they will produce after their kind. And we are commanded to be fruitful with producing the same kind of fruit we are with the same seed that is in us. And the seed that is in us is the word of God. The word is the seed. Who is the word of God? Jesus, the spirit of God has taken up. The spirit of Christ has taken up residence in us and we are to be fruitful. In other words, we are to be soul winners. We are to be seeing people come to Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen? How many of us would like our lives to be more fruitful? We'd want to see people coming to Jesus in our realm of influence. We need that 
that work. Oh, Lord, that river Euphrates is supposed to flow out of us. Oh, God, may that river flow. I want to see that fruit. The second kind of fruit that could be working in our lives, you know, Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. And here's the story. The first has to do with the spirit man. My spirit gets born again, and I'm to help others become born again. The second fruit has to do with the body and the soul. The body and the soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. Fruitfulness, it's a transformation. God wants to transform you. He wants to transform me. Not the things of the flesh, but the things of the spirit, the fruit. Not the fruit of the flesh, because the fruit of the flesh, it's obvious. And Galatians tells us how obvious it is. Chapter, or chapter 5, verses 19 through 22, tells, or through 21, tells us all of the junk, which we all have in some measure working in our lives. But we want to all those fruits to go away, and we want the new fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, right? So that's one way Euphrates. Euphrates means fruit, but it's, it's not in the name. And here's, here's a piece I just want to share, and this is, it's kind of just a thought. I want to process this thought. In the book of Revelation, we are told that there's a river, Euphrates. And in the river Euphrates, in the book of Revelation, there are four wicked angels that are bound, they're held for a certain time where they will be released, and when they're released, they will kill one-third of the mankind on planet Earth. Now, I believe that we won't be here. I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture will be taken up. But nevertheless, in the midst of the tribulation, it's somehow Euphrates is keeping those angels bound or they're bound there at Euphrates. And I think there's a picture here because I believe Perhaps what Euphrates is referring to is intercession. Intercession. You see, in the life of a believer, in the life of someone whose faith and hope and trust is in God, God places a hedge of protection around their lives. Now, we see this in Job, and you can read about it in Job chapter 1. Satan accuses Job because he's the accuser of the brethren, and he talks about a hedge that is about him. He says, well, of course. Does he, does he fear God for nothing? He's got a hedge. You've protected everything. Remove the hedge. Now, here's a couple things. I believe that God has placed a hedge around your life, but we hinder the hedge. We can lower the hedge by how we live. We can create gaps in the hedge by how we live. We can take and position ourselves outside of the protection of God because of how we choose to live our lives. There's a lesson there. You and I, let's live to be well-pleasing to the Lord. The Spirit of God wants to help us get there, right? As followers of Christ, God has given us authority and power. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull down strongholds. There are people that you know that know Christ. There are people that you know that don't know Christ, whose lives are train wrecks, whose all kinds of trouble and tribulation and heartache are happening. Sometimes it's because their hedge has been dropped down. Sometimes it's just the onslaught of the evil one. But you and I, we have the ability to intercede and to pray and to quote unquote, stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. And as we stand in the gap, we can see the power of the evil one put at bay. 
So we have this power and authority that we must, it's our responsibility to pray, to intercede. We're told in scripture to pray. First uh, Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter two tells us to pray for all who are in leadership, to pray for nations. Listen, we should be praying for these United States. We should be praying for our missionaries across the globe and the cities and the nations that they are in so that we can see the strongholds brought down. We could see followers of Christ be strengthened in their walk with the Lord. We can see those who are living astray from God to come back to the Lord, a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, a prodigal parent, wherever they may be, we can stand in the gap for them. And watch the power of heaven move on behalf and see transformation, rivers of living water. Thanks be to God. So I'll conclude with this. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me, rivers of living water will come forth. I want to ask you today in your life, do you have those rivers flowing forth out of you? It could, it could, be, it, it could be the Pishon, the Pishon. It could be the Gihon. The, the Pishon is that edifying. He's edifying you. The Gihon, that revelation knowledge. God giving us revelation and us toiling through to apprehend that. It could be the power, the enduing power for miraculous works, even in your own life individually, to overcome and to become more than an overcomer through Christ. And it could be the Euphrates. It's that fruitfulness. He who wins souls is wise, the scripture says. It could be the fruit of the spiritness in your life and in my life. And it could be the ministry of intercession. I believe all five of those should be working vehemently in the life of the believer. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me this morning. If you don't know Jesus today, will you give your heart to the Lord? Will you let us know that you're praying a prayer of faith saying, I want the spirit of God working in my life. I want my sin forgiven. I want to know that my name is written in God's book. I wanna know that I'm going to heaven. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Will you put your hope and faith in Jesus? Will you let us know? You can contact us at info at hcfclackamas.org. Let us know you made a commitment to Jesus today and invited him into your life to be the Lord of your life. There's not a specific prayer you need to pray. We do make confession, God, I'm a sinner. Come into my life, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of the unrighteousness in my life. Be the Lord of my life. I believe, I believe. And so we encourage you to pray that way. The, the amazing thing, when a person prays that prayer, there's a transaction that happens instantaneously. The Spirit of God will take up residence in your life. And then let's ask for that enduing power. That anointing, when the Spirit comes in, come on, hallelujah. We, we absolutely cherish and love and want more of that anointing. We want more power. 
these rivers to flow gushing out of us. So Father, in the name of your son Jesus, we just pray right now. I pray some people getting on their knees in their living room or in their family room, some bowing their heads at the couch, maybe holding hands with their children, and we are just believing God right now for the empowering of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you, God, that you are saving people even to this day. You're saving sinners. Come on. We love and appreciate, God, that work that you do, that only you can do, and that revelation knowledge, that flesh and blood could not even reveal that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and you're opening eyes and opening hearts right now. God, save. And Lord, for every believer, we're praying, we want, we want these rivers of God flowing. Like the book of Genesis says, like Isaiah says, like a watered garden, well watered, where everybody else is in a drought around us, every non-believer in a drought around us, Lord, we can be like that well-watered garden and rivers flowing out of us like in Eden, a river that became four river heads. Pishon, Gihon, Hidekel, Hidekel, Tigris, and the Euphrates. Five ways your spirit will flow through us. Oh God, more. We just want more. Holy Spirit, come. We want to know you. We want to know your work. We want to know your presence. We want to know the intimacy of relationship and communion with you. Speak to our hearts. Guide us. Lead us. Reveal to us things that we would not otherwise be able to ascertain by our sensory. When you give us those gut feelings and we have to pray, and sometimes we have to pray in the Spirit, we don't know what we're praying, but we know that you are working. And then, Father, you reveal to us even later, how that particular prayer protected or resolved, and we say, wow, and we realize flesh and blood could not have revealed that stuff. It was divine by the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, we want to see and have these things working in our lives for your glory and for your namesake, for the edification of every believer, for the edification of your church, and for the expansion of the kingdom of God until you return. We love you and we say thank you. We receive now. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us fresh for your glory, God. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen.